Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's all Hello, welcome back to Ozbiz. I'm being sledged before we even start the show today. Hello, I'm David Kosh. Welcome back to Ozbiz Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company. Just gone midday time for the call. Ten stocks, two experts, and we cover it all in 60 minutes. And uh, today, it's a big day for the call because in the flesh. We thought he was just a digital icon, but no, Gaurav Sodhi from uh, Intelligent Investor is in the studio. Gaurav, good to have you in here. It's great to be here. Thank you, David. Out of hibernation. Um... <laughs> and uh, back into proper clothing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and his, uh, his old foe on the call always, Matham Somersandaram from uh, Blue Ocean Equities. Matham, good to see you. Yeah. Now... That you're both in the studio. Mm. Are you going to be polite to each other no, or that's, not? That's never been the case. No, good. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. We'll, we'll refrain from any, any physical violence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's actually a boxer, so I'm not going there. Oh, are you a boxer? Uh, from I started when I was very little. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah. And oh. I stopped when I started getting broken faces Basically, and things like oh, that. Oh, right, yeah. okay. All right. When I, you grew I was up, always yes, when I, grew up. Yeah. I was always good at running away. Yeah. yeah. Very quick. <laughs> well, great to have you both in here. And thank you, everyone for sending in your suggested 10 stocks. We'll get to them shortly, but our stock of the day, of course, is one that we choose that's in the news. And today, James Hardy with a company mm. raising its North American earnings guidance following a, a decent rebound in stateside housing activity. Now, the group now sees first quarter 2021 earnings for its North American businesses of between 27 and 29%. Outlook at home isn't so upbeat with flatter volumes tipped for next year, while volumes in Europe are expected to decline by as much as 14%. Got to say, it's share price in James Hardy, up a fair bit today as well. Uh, Gaurav, do, like, do you like the announcement? Yeah, I'm uh, happy to say that we've actually, we bought James Hardy during the pandemic. It's a stock that we've done a lot of background on, um, and we've waited and waited for an opportunity to buy it. And I'm thrilled it's a, it's a major part of the portfolio now. We upgrade it as a buy for our members as well. I think it's a misunderstood and underestimated business. It's actually one of the great Australian businesses. And because of its historical uh, deviances and, and because of the industry it's in, which is usually yeah. lousy, yeah. Um, it gets missed a lot. But even if you just, if all you did was just look at the numbers, you'd find a wonderful business. Once you dig a little bit deeper, um, right. that impression only gets better and better. Ah, okay. um, it absolutely Cause, dominates. Because people lump it in with Boral and all of those. <laughs> yes, don't they, they do. go, nah, I don't want to touch this. Well, that was our impression as well. Yeah. Um, and it, we, we first came to it because um, you know, we don't always put too much stock in numbers. Yeah. Um, and we like stories where the numbers and reality um, tell two different tales. And that seemed to be the case here, where the numbers from Hardy were excellent, but the reality that we thought we understood um, didn't reflect that. So we actually got a good education on the industry and 
changed our minds and realized that this was an excellent business several years ago, as we're coming out of the GFC, in right. fact. Okay. Um, so it's been 10 years in the making, and I was really pleased to be able to upgrade it um, earlier in the year. Um, it absolutely dominates its space um, in fiber cement cladding. It's got about 80% of the market, and fiber cement is still of a fairly infant um, um, material. So, so fiber cement is what those Besser block type things, are they? Um, that's part of it, um, yeah. but it goes on the outside of buildings. So in um, in America, oh, a right. lot of okay. a lot of the cladding outside. I mean, you yep. can make blocks out of fiber cement, but James Hardy's jam is really to make turn fiber cement into cladding for for buildings. Right. Um, and most buildings in America aren't are made from quite flimsy material. Mm-hmm. Um, even vinyl is is a is a cladding of choice. Yeah. Um, so these guys are, are at the forefront of changing that. And as buildings get recladded, the fiber, fiber cement market share increases, and these guys completely dominate that space. Right. It's quite difficult to compete with. We've thought about how can you um, beat this business at what they do, and it's very hard. Mm. You've got to have the manufacturing capacity, the distribution capacity, and the sales relationships. All those three right. are very hard to line up. So do you still like it? Yes. Even we, at this price? Look, um, we don't have a buy on it at this price, right. but I certainly still be holding on. I think there's a lot of potential okay. growth in this business to come. All right. Nathan? Yeah, look, I have to agree. It's one of the best quality businesses in the market. Um, in, even in the sector, you always have one that stands out from the rest. Mm. James Hardy, by a country mile. I mean, it should not be even mentioned in the same breath as Boyle. Yes. Right. <laughs> Once literally crumbling, uh, pardon the pun. Um, look, I think James Hardy... Mm. I, number of years ago when I was uh, in my younger years when I was stupid and trying to broke to a senior fund manager and he was tell he told me straight away even in a recession James Hardy still churns out 300 400 million dollar profit you know everyone else will collapse yep. you buy this thing and you can go to sleep and you're not going to be struggling and the track record proves it management has delivered consistently it is a high quality business am I buying it here for the macro probably not Right. Um, mm-hmm. As Gurev said, when there is a panic, this is one of those ones on your shopping list. It's, right. it's what, okay. what I would consider, if you're going out to buy a, what the, the term is GOAT, you know, yeah. greatest of all time type portfolio in Aussie, this is one of those. Wow. It is Gee, a that's high, that's high praise from yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm sc- <laughs> I go by the numbers. And surprisingly, it is never what I would consider a classic value stock. No. But it is a cyclical stock and you buy it when market panics because it is so good in quality. And you wow. know, it's, it's up there with you know, someone like an aristocrat, you look at it and say, how good they've done. Yeah. It's like that. Right. It okay. is in the, one of the top. And it's the best in the sector. Okay. All right. So there you go. James Hardy, well-run company. Price probably a bit high, but any sort of pullback, put it on your shopping list, which you should always have. All right. Let's go to our uh, first stock. That's been suggested by you. Uh, thanks to Harry for sending this one in. Beach Energy, um, the big oil producer, kept oil production and sales strong in the March quarter. As um, increase oil production increased by roughly eight percent compared to the quarter before. Uh, what do you reckon, Mate, on Beach? Uh, look, I think Beach is in the top two energy exposures on Beta. If you're going to go for the energy sector, it's a call on energy. If you yeah. think energy. Prices are going up, you buy Beach or Santos. That's the best as far as the beta play is concerned. So if yeah. you want the bounce. So for me, it's a commodity play. We did have energy stocks uh, when it got slaughtered, uh, when it went negative. <laughs> it's an interesting concept. Uh, but Beach has had a good bounce. For me, there is still a fair amount of economic issues that will play out. 
It's a demand problem at the moment. As much as OPEC can cut supply, the oil price will probably come back. It's an LNG play, but look, at the end of the day, oil price is what it trades with. So yeah. oil prices are probably going to weaken in the short term and give you another shot at buying it a bit cheaper. I'm more than happy to buy it. I think it's a good business. Yeah. Um, it's in the right side of cycle. It's, it's coming million on. in cash. Yeah. 530 oh, look, million in liquidity. It's, for me on the numbers, it's up. the number one choice on energy sector uh, because it's got the beta and right. it's got the management and it's basically gives you the uh, one to two times what their oil price is going to move. So that's where I play the beta rent. So if I'm positive right. on oil price, I buy it in the short term. I think it comes back a bit. Right. That's your opportunity. Okay. All right. Go I have heard this pitch from Nathan so many times. Um, <laughs> he has tried really hard to convince me of Beach over the years. And um, so far, I've got to say, he's probably been right. Um, I've been skeptical about Beach. Um, and it's, it's difficult to explain why, because the numbers actually look quite good. Um, as you say, they've got a very good balance sheet. In years past, I wasn't happy with management, but that's changed. I think management now are actually very good. Um, so that, it ticks that box as well. I guess what I don't like about it is 50% um, of the revenue actually comes from gas. Um, a, a third of it is just fixed price contact, con contracts, which sounds very good and sounds very stable, but I don't buy an energy business to be good and stable. You know? yeah. And energy businesses typically aren't wonderful businesses in the likes of, sort of James Hardy or Aristocrat. These are cyclical businesses and I buy them when I have a view on the oil price or when the market's implied oil price doesn't match my own. Yep. Um, and there's just no spice in this business, guys. There's, I mean, if the oil price were to rocket, I think this would do fine. It would rise alongside yep. it, but there are other businesses who would do far better. And if the oil price plunged, this wouldn't plunge as much and others would plunge more. But I, I want that volatility when I buy an oil business. You know, I, I, I don't want hedging. I don't want contracts. I want pure price exposure. Right. And this does okay. not deliver that. But you're a trader. No, right. I'm certainly not a trader. I'm still a long-term investor. Um, but, but occasionally, I mean, volatility gives you opportunity. Um, only in, in volatile times do you find serious mispricings. Yeah. And we um, are searchers of mispricings. We want to buy something that's worth, um, that, that's worth more than it's being priced at. Um, right. And you only get that at a period of, of some sort of dislocation. Okay. It's just hard to get this business mispriced. Um, it's, I should add that it's, it's done really nothing for 10 years um, and the asset quality objectively is modest. Um, so it's, it, it, it'll do fine, I think, if, if oil does well. And it's, it's certainly not a bomb. There are yep. far worse things you could do than, than go off and buy a beach. Yep. But if you're going to buy energy, I think you want a, a higher return than what okay. this yep. can potentially offer you. Okay. All right. There you go, Harry. Uh, that is um, the opinion on Beach. Our second stop comes from Lisa. It's in the um, buy now, pay later um, area. Open pay, um, a bit different to open pay, um, uh, to after pay rather. After pay has pretty strict terms on um, when you've got to pay the money back. Open pay is a bit more flexible and sometimes you have 18 months to pay it back and you can reschedule payments. So, a bit more flexibility than some of the other buy now, pay later. What do you reckon of open pay, growth? Look, I don't know open pay very well, but um, I would not touch this. Right. This entire sector is now reeking of extreme sort of bubble exuberance territory. Um, analysts can't walk down the street without being harassed for opinions on um, 
pay, you know, buy now, pay later stocks. Yeah. And but this is... Afterpay, Zip, um, Sezzle, uh, the whole lot, the whole lot of them. There's a yeah. lot of them. And it, it's just Cross a very down. hot space. Now, I, I, I would like to take Afterpay onto another side because I think Afterpay is a different business to the rest of them. It's a, right. it, and, and I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, and I say that as someone who sold it at, at three bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know we got that completely wrong, um, and um, uh, there's a the key to Afterpay is the high turnover of capital, which leads to right. really good returns on capital. Um, this is the anti Afterpay, if you like, because it leaves capital sitting there earning low returns at high risk of default for a long period of time. Right. It's a very poor business model um, in terms of brand and marketing. They're nowhere. We're nowhere close to Afterpay, and in terms of um, distribution, again, Afterpay cloppers this. So if you uh, look, I wouldn't be any in any of these stocks, including Afterpay. I just, I just think this is a, a too hot sector. The worst thing you could do as an investor is buy the hottest stock in the hottest sector. Right. Okay. And and this just reeks of um, exuberance to me. Okay. That's as nice as Gaurav can get. This may be nice. I'm yeah. actually waiting for him to throw grenades <laughs> and run for cover. Uh, Oh, look, it's, it's, it is a hot sector. Uh, yeah. Just in the last two, three months, um, anything, anything that's uh, you know, in this kind of category of fintechs mm. has gone through the roof uh, for the apparent reason that they're in that category. That's, that's pretty much has been the argument. Um, and he's bang on about the category difference. It, it is a stats game. They're, if they flip the, if the people are going in and out, in and out quickly, even if it goes wrong, they'll see it quicker, they'll fix up quicker. Right. The guy who sits there and goes, oh, I'll give you more, sounds good because you'll get more. But the reality is it's a global recession. Yeah. Every country that all these guys are targeting are in recession. The only reason the economies haven't completely tanked is because the government is handing out cash. Now, the reality is that's not forever. When that stops, guess what? One of the clear signals in the US is for the last nine months, the default rates have been going higher and higher and higher. Yeah. Right, and the bank standards for lending has been going tighter and tighter and tighter. So guess what? If somebody gives you free cash, I'll take that. Yep. Now right. the problem is that'll work for a while when you've got free cash coming in. Once that stops, it goes over a cliff, which we're looking in the U.S. potentially by the end of July. They'll probably extend it for political reasons and probably hear the same, but it'll be at a lower rate. So they'll start to get into trouble. Yep. The reality of high unemployment will start to sink in, and these things will go wrong. Now it's a stats game, so is Afterpay probably better at it because they're flipping quickly than the others. But in reality, all of them will have problems. Yep. It's just lesser of the problem. So, um, you know, they're trading like they'll, they're like the, they're CSL. Yeah. I mean, they're actually trading higher than CSL. <laughs> <laughs> and they're nowhere near that. No. This is not some, Well, we you know, saw solution that with Splitter last yeah, exactly. week. Yeah. Didn't we? That deal with yeah. Visa went up yeah. and uh, everyone was saying to me, oh, Splitter's only three bucks. Yeah. That, uh, we talked about on the call, but it's it's multiples are higher than Afterpay. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, whoever just getting in whoever got into the cap raising yeah. had a great time flipping it out in the market, they? and yeah. they've created the um, good storyline, and yeah. they've all got out. The reality now sinks in, going, mm, yeah, you yeah. get clients with the same problem. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So uh, no for open pay there for you, Lisa. Um, and some pretty wise words of warning there in, uh, for the whole of the sector. Uh, our third suggestion comes from Matt, uh, Whitehaven Coal, Australia's biggest um, independent coal producer, mainly based in New South Wales. Um, had a production downgrade only recently. Um, what do you think of it, Nathan? 
Oh, I'm sure Gaurav loves them. <laughs> this is such a great value trade, yeah. but it has been a value trade for a very long time mm. and it's got yep. better value every time. Right. Um, so this is where it's interesting because I like what he says because he comes at it from a different perspective. Right. My perspective is the data. You just look at the call price and you go, mm. it hasn't turned. Yep. So you're basically betting against the trend. So it doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't matter how cheap it is. It just gets cheaper. So the call price hasn't turned. You're trying to go against the tide. Yeah. Don't do that. It never so works out. You look at that one year price there. It's just bubbling along the bottom. Is that yeah. from the March? And, and, and every three months, I get one of the guys on my desk telling me, I've got a great you know, value idea. And it's either Whitehaven or New Hope. And the reality is, <laughs> both of them haven't been. And I go, referred to three months ago. The same problem. It right. hasn't turned. Look, you know, I don't get bogged down in being bearish or bullish on anything. Yep. But this, you just got to wait for the call price. If yep. that turns around, by yep. all means, this, I think both of them look great if it yep. turns around. It hasn't turned around. So right. no need to jump in right now. Yeah. Gora? You know, one of the prerequisites of doing well as an investor is that you have to be willing to look like an idiot for an extended period of time. <laughs> <laughs> And um, so I consider myself to be a very fine investor <laughs> because I've, uh, we've been investors in New Hope, which is a key competitor yeah. to Whitehaven. Um, and we haven't bought or, or recommended buying Whitehaven specifically. And that's because it has a number of coal mines and, and it's, it's a relatively complex operation. The assets themselves are fine. Management's very good. Um, the balance sheet is a little stretched for my liking in yeah. a low coal price environment. Um, and there's uh, production um, increases that require significant regulatory intervention. And that's been very difficult um, in this market. Um, so we've actually, we, we own and, and have recommended, in fact, we still have a buy on New Hope Coal, which is right. a competitor. And the beauty of that business is that it's one mine and it is the simplest geology you'll ever find. It's a hole in the ground with one drag line on it and that machine just goes up and down. There's a couple of trucks that pick up the dirt. Right. But it's very, very simple, very low cost. Management's the best in the business. The balance sheet is okay. There's yep. a little bit of debt there, but it's manageable. Um, and you know, the growth opportunities, you can value them at zero and still get to a very good valuation on new right. hope. So look, I'm actually quite, um, look, I'm, I'm quite comfortable holding coal miners uh, at this time. It's such a deeply unloved part of the market. Yep. And when you think about the supply side, no one is putting into money into expanding coal. Yep. People don't want to lend to it. People don't want to, um, uh, shareholders don't want to buy it. Um, and no one wants to trade. I mean, it, it's, it's as unloved a sector, I yep. think, as I've seen. It is seen. a real ugly duckling as well. Yeah, and it is times like that. It is situations like those that are deeply unloved where it's hard to see why you'd buy it, where you look like an idiot if you do, that's when you actually make your best returns. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, don't want to help him out, but <laughs> in reality, it, the yeah. early signals in that sector, and you know, going by the data, mm -hmm. early signals is private equity is playing in coal. Oh, right, okay. Ah. So, Bathurst is one example. Oh, yeah, yes, so yeah, there's yeah. a few players where there's management problem, that they can get in because nobody, and people have just given up and go, oh, I yeah. want to get out. Yeah. Private equity sitting there going, okay, this is an opportunity. Right. I mean, you've got to remember, I mean, West Farmers is probably the best um, listed um, private equity player in the market. Yeah. They played in that sector. Yeah. Uh, people didn't think they would do well, but you know, they did well. Um, there's a time and place for everything. Right. And I think, you know, if you're a private equity, you're not under pressure, you can sit yeah. and hold. 
call is looking good and I think they're telling you that in the the next six to 12 months, there's probably a cycle in it. Yeah, because they don't have a long-term view on anything, yeah, do they? they so they're, they're, they're in flip. for a quick buck. They're, they're yeah. in to flip and they are after. So the, the fact that they've moved on a few call stocks told, told me, okay, keep that in the back of your head. And that's uh-huh. one of the things that I've been keeping an eye on. But again, I'm one of those suckers <laughs> for something that's been falling for a couple of years. Wait yeah. for the thing to turn. You have, right. to, you have to be very discerning with coal as well because Unlike a lot of other commodities, coal offers a lot of different grades and pricing yeah, varies on, almost on the specific mine that you're yep. looking at. Um, so Bengala, which is the New Hope mine, has really high quality coal that goes straight yeah. into Japan. Japan has built these um, uh, supercritical thermal stations that burn coal at really high temperatures and they have sort of half the pollution of traditional coal power yeah. plants. Yeah. They have no more nuclear power. Um, and so it's a, there's a large captive mm. market and it's a very young fleet of power stations that are built, being built in Asia. They're going to require coal for the next 15 years or so. Right. So okay. I think, I mean, I'm under no mm-hmm. illusions that coal demand is falling and it will yeah. be disrupted. But I think there is still opportunity in that sector. Yeah, New Hope's a better one than Whitehaven. Would yeah. you agree New yeah. Hope's the better one? Okay, all right. Um, there you go, uh, Matt. That gives you a bit of a rundown on coal and uh, and also Whitehaven and New Hope as well. Our fourth stock comes from Vic um, Hotel Property Investments Group. Owns up as the um, as the the name implies a whole heap of uh, properties, including Quest Apartments, um, all sorts of uh, throughout Queensland, South Australia, and New South Wales. Um, not only the pubs, but also the specialty stores that go along with them. Mm. Um, what do you reckon, Nathan? Oh, look, it's an interesting one, but it's it's you're playing the um, lockdown ending. Um, yep. So the hotels, pubs coming back. They've got good quality pubs, connections with Coles and Woolies. Mm. Um, hotels are pretty decent. I think it's Queensland, South Australia. Um, it should work for them, especially if you can't fly anywhere warm. Mm. You've got to go to Queensland. That's why Queensland knows they can play the game whatever they feel like. Yeah. Um, so, but the reality is I, it's had a pretty good bounce. Yeah. So I don't think you're getting the discount for the risk because you've got to remember the next bunch of data is going to be pretty ugly because they've been locked yep. down for a while. Yep. And if you see any kind of virus pick up, it'll get slaughtered down as well. Yeah. And the longer, and also, you know, there's restrictions on how many people you can have and all of those things, which means they're going to run at a lower margin, lower capacity. It's going to hurt their numbers and they have to come out with cost cuts. So my guess is they're not sure if they've done the raising, but chances are they have to do some kind of raising to cover the gap and that, that'll all play out. So in the property, you've had the complete bashing in March and then you had a bit of a bounce. And some of these things have bounced a lot harder than others. Yep. Um, look, well, we've talked about it before. If I had to pick a property trust, you know, the GOAT, yeah. uh, as you were talking about with uh, James Hardy, is Goodman Group, right? right? Hands down. Uh, the Probably the, uh, I suppose, the, then you look for unique ones. You know, National Storage is a pretty good one, good thematic. Yeah. This is good, but it's not that good. Yeah. It's got structural problems at the moment, and there's a lot of uncertainty with what's, ha- what's happening. So it's not one I would be jumping in after. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. What do you reckon? Because yeah. Nathan's point is... Like if this second bump in Victoria turns mm. into a second wave outside of Victoria, they could all go back into lockdown again. Yeah, and, and that's the tail risk. And none of us know whether that's going to be the case yeah. or not. And I must say, the, so far, equities aren't really pricing that scenario no. in. So it is a risk you're going to be running, but that's, I think, true across the market. So um, it's not particularly, it's not solely the case here. Yeah. Um, something Nathan said was quite interesting, um, the GOAT. Um, 
Goodman is, an, is a brilliant business, I agree. I can probably call that the GOAT. But the other one I'll nominate is um, Ale Group, which is what, which is what yep. we own as well. Now, Ale is a very similar business to HP8. It, it owns, it's actually the mm. largest owner of pubs across Australia. Um, but is that the Matheson one? Uh, Matheson no, but you, it, oh, look, it might be actually. Yeah, it yeah, might yeah, be. Yeah, yeah it might I be that so, one. Yeah, yeah. because they, yeah. they came out of um, Australian hospitality and totally. leisure. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so that must yeah. be it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they are um, exclusively, um, you, their tenants are exclusively Woolies, um, the, right, the Woolies yes. pub, yep. uh, pubs and hotels business. Um, and they have triple net leases, which means that um, all their properties, um, the tenant is responsible for all the cash outflows and upgrades, but they get to keep the increase in property values that those upgrades mm. generate. So okay. it's a really nice um, leasing scenario that they have. In exchange for that, they have minimal um, rent increases up till 2028 when everything's off the cards. And we've done some work on this. We reckon rents at that stage can rise you know, 60, 80%. Um, at that date. So um, it looks expensive now, but if you're a long-term investor, I think there's a lot of value on the table with, with, um, uh, with Ale Group. I prefer that. Right. This is a really interesting, HPI is equally interesting, but yep. for different reasons. In Queensland, where 80% of its properties are located, there's, a, there's an unknown, very uh, small rule that says, um, if you are a license holder, <coughs> if you ho- want to hold a liquor license, you have to hold it um, you also you have to hold a, um, a a pub as well as a um, a liquor store. So to to sell uh, liquor in Queensland, the the pub has to be connected to um, the liquor outlet. To a bottle shop. To a bottle right. shop. Okay. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So um, you can see I'm not a very big drinker. But <laughs> these big words. Um, so so Nathan's right that the sector <coughs> is facing a lot of a lot of trouble and patronage is much lower. But because all the pubs, or 80% of their properties, are connected to liquor stores, um, the rents actually are still flowing in quite okay. well. So right. I think there's a, there's a bit of a misunderstanding about this business. And it's actually, it's a small premium to net asset value. I think it's okay. I mean, I'd be happy to, um, to hold this for the moment. Yeah, I don't think it's a yeah. sell, but I just wouldn't buy it here. Right. Because I don't think there's a lot of upside from what it is. It's, it's, yeah, it's a good diversified one. You're going for the safety. It's I mean, a big bounce. Yeah, it's had a pretty big bounce. Yeah, Yeah, I think you're right. The upside is probably limited, but you will get a decent um, distribution from here, and I think that distribution is fairly safe. All right. Let's go to our uh, fifth stock from uh, Adrian, a US stock, Uh, Walt Disney. Hmm. Um, Nathan, what do you think? Uh, Look, I just looked through my kids and uh, the amount of time Disney Plus gets (laughs) pressed. Um, uh, Do we we use it for what we pay? I think we easily do. Um, uh, Look, I think it's a model that is probably underperform most of the other techs. It's probably the value play in the techs, if you can ever say that in techs. Um, I think it's not bad. I actually think it's, uh, I think the future is going to be tech related. A lot of the innovation is going to come out of tech related changes in in most industries. Um, And I think, um, you know, if, US is inevitably going to have a second wave. I don't mm. know if you call it a second wave because yeah. they never finished the first they wave. Finished the first yeah. wave. So, That's right. I think it's an extension <laughs> yeah. of the first wave. So it's got to be um, ongoing. Yeah, so yeah. I've got quite a few friends there and nobody was in any doubt that there was going to be extension of the first wave or mm. a second wave and we're mm. having that. Yeah. Um, and Disney is one of those ones, if you've got kids stuck at home, trust yeah. me, that is worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing amount of content that, you know, Look, we, we had DVDs and when they got bad, we used to cry about it because we might not get it back and they said never, they'll never release it and all that. And they've released everything. It's yep. amazing content. I think there's a lot of upside. They can do a lot more things. And, you know, as uh, 
um, you know, Star Wars showed us merchandise yeah. selling is where the money yeah. is, and mm-hmm. they can always make something come out. It's such a great brand you're gonna buy it. So I, I, look, I'm not. I think it's cheap uh, on a relative basis in the tech space. It's such a good brand. I would yeah. never say you want to sell that. Yeah. Buy and hold. It's the world's best brand, yeah. or something. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you've summed it up beautifully. It is the it is the world's probably well, along with Apple, maybe. That's, yeah. That's, yeah, 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 we can yeah, talk about yeah. that. But it is one of the world's great brands, one of the world's great businesses. It really is. And I, I'm actually not sure. Um, I don't think it's. I, I probably am more bullish on it than than the average market participant. I, I just think there are so many ways now to monetize the property. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a couple of warts on this, and, and the biggest wart is ESPN, which is um, uh, at one stage it accounted for about half of earnings. Um, uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> and it's a dramatically shrinking um, revenue yeah. stream for Disney. I think there's enough going on in this business to offset those earnings, yeah. um, particularly with, uh, with, you know, with with theme parks, merchandising, yeah. and, and film. So it doesn't concern me too much, but, but I'll put it out there that there is a yeah. thoroughly disrupted part of this business, and it will harm the business for a little while yet. So I, I, you have to be a bit more long-term in your thinking with this one. All right. Uh, so a big tech, Adrian, for Disney from both uh, Gaurav and Mathan. Just a recap on the first uh, five stocks. Uh, Beach, uh, yes, on a, on a pullback from, um, from Mathan. No from Gaurav. Both no on open pay. Uh, Whitehaven, so ugly, such an ugly sector, <laughs> maybe worth a look, but New Hope is probably the preferred one there. Um, hotel properties, um, probably, probably a no, Ale is a, a better option, and a yes on Disney. Let's get stuck into uh, the second half of the call, our last five stocks. Amelia um, Gorav wants a, a view on BHP. Yes. Um, look, I, I, w- I spent 10 years as a resources analyst and uh, a lot of that time was, was looking at the intricacies of BHP. Yeah. Um, one thing people probably don't realise about the business is that it has never made an operating loss. Um, you know, go look at what's happened in the last 50 years. We've had yeah. um, you know, crashes, recessions, wars, terrorism, huge cycles. Um, and the, that asset base has, has stood firm and never made a loss. Now, it has made huge losses, but all the losses in BHP come from mistakes of capital allocation. Right, it's right been down. a badly managed company for a long time. That's not the case anymore. I think management is fantastic now. Um, mm-hmm. This management and, and previous management um, have been very good. They've recognized that they have a great um, asset base here and they just manage the cash flows much more carefully. Um, you know, in, in the old days, even, even five years ago, all resources companies used to both boast about their size, about their production, um, and about their growth. You know, BHP had this famous chart where it had all these bubbles, dozens of them, and each one was a multi-billion dollar growth project. And you just knew that they're gonna waste a hundred billion dollars on growth and nothing will come out the other side. That chart has not been seen. And instead, um, all the miners, led by BHP, all boast about their dividends, their returns on capital, and the discipline of their um, of their allocation yep. model, yep. Um, they've opened the allocation model up to for scrutiny for an, by analysts. Um, it looks very tight to me. Um, I, I think this is long term change that we've seen now in BHP. Mm. It's a much better business than it was, okay. backed by the best assets in the industry. Um, around the thirty dollar mark, uh, we hold we hold it in our portfolios, yep. and um, we, we'd top that up and buy some more. But at this price, I think with Inor a hundred dollars, I cannot buy more BHP. Okay, um, so around me. thirty bucks. You do it. Do yeah. Uh, look, Graf's right. Four or five years ago, they used to mine into their balance sheet and then come out <laughs> with rocks. Um, and 
the the you know the the classic statement you say is you never buy miners because I remember the time when people used to say it's a yield stock. I go what? <laughs> <laughs> you know people are going crazy when yeah. they start talking about mining stocks as yield, yield stocks, stock, yeah. and then it all collapsed in fifteen, uh, which I was always shocked by because the data showed you there's a collapse in capex coming in fifteen. Everyone knew there was a collapse yeah. again, but everyone was shocked when it happened, yeah. uh, and you know it went through that cycle. Um, they are much better uh, managed now. Um, I, I think Rio's quite well managed as well. I think that both of them are okay. really high quality businesses and they do provide you good um, diversification. Um, you know, copper is not something to be sneezed at. If you start, you know, there is a decent amount of supply side shocks waiting to happen. Um, you know, big plays uh, out of South America will be disrupted with what's happening with COVID. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even that's a short term positive, yep. but the longer term uh, supply issues in copper is well known. And again, both of these big miners will benefit out of that. Yes, I know it's probably too much here because there's a fair amount of barley disruption in the price. Yeah. But I think it's probably comes back to around the 90 and settles there. Um, and that's okay. Uh, yeah. These two guys still are still churning, price, out, yeah. churning out more money than any of the banks are. Yeah. Um, so in that context, I think they're good. We've been long both the big miners in most of our models and I see no reason to take it out. Okay. Uh, Gaurav's right. I wouldn't go out and buy it today. Right. Uh, but it has... BHP is one of those ones where it's got the solid support from iron ore, it's got the copper upside, probably the oil upside as well when it recovers. So if you had to pick a resource and you you Stevie yep. Wonder and you can't see a thing, you still pick BHP. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so around, pull 30, back, around 30 bucks would you be enticed? Yeah, I think uh, you buy okay. BHP Rio for a global recovery. Okay. All right, our seven stock from Sophie, the suggestion is, uh, is ComBank. Okay, complete opposite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's a woofer. Uh, it is a woofer. It's a, a woofer. dog. It's a, compl- it's a dog. Market pays a premium multiple for what it was. Yeah. It is not yeah. what it was. Right. It has more problems than you can focus so on. So that would be a no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he likes it very yeah. much. <laughs> I, 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 it, 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 it does mm-hmm. not trade because it, it's had a good bounce. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the company. It's to do with the portfolio management track record. So... What happens in the Australian market is if you want to get exposure to the Aussie dollar, you buy the banks because they're liquid and you can get in and out. So the global investors, when the currency bounces, they'll come and buy. So for example, today, the banks opened down and they all turned positive. Why? Because the currency turned. Reserve Bank is talking up a positive story. They always do, not attached to fundamentals, mind you, but they talk a positive story. Um, and the currency, Chinese dollar was okay, so the currency is holding up, right. despite it coming off. So the banks have had a bit of a bounce. Now, the banks, if the currency rolls over, which I think inevitably it will when you've got lockdown worries, yeah. um, last time got down to high 50s. 50s yeah. yeah, so if that happens, the banks will get slaughtered. Right. And ComBank is the most expensive one, it's always the most expensive one, um, and it's been a default choice for most retail investors. Yep. Yep. I always caution people on this and they hold way too much banks and ComBank tends to be the biggest one. Right. Um, so I'm not a big fan of ComBank. If I had to pick a bank, I prefer NAB because right. everything that can go wrong with it has gone wrong with it. What it's if you gone. made a top five? Would you pick Macquarie? Oh, hands down. Right, okay. Hands down, hands yeah. down. That, that's not even a bank. It's, a, it's probably one of the PE businesses in right, finance. Okay. So right. you pick Macquarie. It's, it's a, way too expensive. Yeah. But hey, if it goes down, you buy it. Yeah. All right, Gaurav, is Combank a woofer? Yeah, I, I'm afraid it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bit concerned. Whenever Nathan and I historically have agreed, <laughs> you just know Combank's going to take off now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but look, I, I, I won't um, add too much to what Nathan has said. I agree with, with, with most of it. But it's interesting when you break down the returns of Combank. Everyone says it deserves a premium because it generates higher return on equity. And it does yeah. generate higher ROE. Now, the reasons for that um, are a bit more intricate. Um, if you break down to return on assets, Combank makes the same 1% return on assets that every other bank in the world makes. Yeah. Um, the reason its return on equity is higher is because its lending book is concentrated on property and uh, the banking rules allow you to leverage up on, on property. So the, all the Aussie banks are highly leveraged on property, none more so than Combank. And it's no, mis no coincidence that the, that the bank that has the most property exposure also generates the highest ROE. I don't think there's any magic in Combank. It's not an inherently superior business. It has done very well on the technology investment, and it's probably marginally better than any other bank in Australia. But this, is, this does not deserve a 50% rating um, premium to the other banks. Yeah. Um, I think the risk here is all hidden because we've had a 30-year bull market in property. Mm. If mm. that ever unwinds, you will see a right. very dramatic reversion of the Combank okay. share price. All right. Okay. So I know on CBA. What about Cochlear? Again, controversial. Look, I say this having, again, we bought Cochlear really well at uh, $20 or $30 years ago, and we sold it way too early at $90. Yeah. Um, and we've held, we've sort of um, haven't held it since. Um, look, we've got a specialist. A great, a great medical technology Australian company. It's a wonderful it's company, incredible. no doubt. It's uh, a wonderful company. For those product. who don't know, the bionic ear, yeah. all that, uh, which was a, a globally revolutionary product, medical product. It's sure. indistinguishable from magic, isn't yep. it? It's, yep. it's astonishing. Um, and it's a very well-run business. I yep. hold management in a very high regard there as well. But I think it, 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 the price does not reflect the growth prospects of this business. It's actually not a very fast-growing company anymore. Um, I think we've got it tagged as a, um, a single multiple between 5 and 10% growth. Right. Um, and that, it's hard to justify the very high multiple against that growth rate. Yep. Um, there are competitors also. There's a very well-funded and well-backed Chinese competitor. Mm. And, um, you know, they, they tend to find a way of yep. mimicking technology, he says yep. gently. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is... Look, I love this business. Um, I, I think there are better opportunities. So I'm going to reluctantly right. put a sell on it. Yeah, okay. yeah it, it, is, it is a very good business. And when, when I found that was when they had a, a product problem. Yes. And uh, they had to recall it. Yeah. They, they did not blink. They just recalled mm. it, took a massive hit. A friend They're of mine, very good to customers and shareholders, they are. aren't they? Well? And when that happened, a friend of mine was working there. Right. And so mm. I rang him and I asked him, how's the office? And he said, why? And I said, you just had a product call. It's like huge. Uh, and he goes, oh, we don't know. <laughs> we don't care. And I went, wow, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's culture. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah. They, you know, they don't see that as a problem. If they've no. done something wrong, they just own up, move yeah, on, fix, fix it. it. Yeah. Right? So I think it's great. The only problem I had is I'm a numbers person. Um, it's had a multiple downgrades. So yeah. when it's had downgrades, the market didn't care. Yeah. But see, the market is a bit, it's like a, uh, you know, how I say it? it's like my kids, like a 10 year old. Um, so they don't care till they care. Yeah. When they care, then they panic. So this had multiple small downgrades and nobody wanted to pay attention after years of no downgrades. And I always tell Gaurav, whenever you have years of no downgrades and they have the first downgrade, that's alarms, yeah. get out. Yeah. I don't care how good the business is, get out. And this had to have that re-rating down. It will, look, I think it's okay now. Um, it, 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 
it should have a multiple because it is such a good business. Yeah. But I agree with Gaurav, I don't think it has the growth rates, mm-hmm. yeah. but I don't think the market cares. Yeah, it doesn't seem to. The market does not care. Why? Because it Single is... Single figure growth rate. Yeah. yeah. So many other well, better options. But you think think about it this way, CSL is at best, what, 10, 12% growth rate? Yeah. But I consider it is the best growth stock in the market, without a doubt. Yeah. Cochlear is not that good, yeah. but the market looks at our healthcare sector, and our healthcare sector in the last five years has outperformed the US healthcare sector. Mm. We have probably the best performing healthcare sector in the world mm. because of these big boys. Yep. And Cochlear has the benefit of okay. getting attached to ResMed and CSL. ResMed is having a few problems as well, but CSL is so damn good, it drags everyone else with it. Right. So Cochlear will go higher, yep. um, and every quant out there tries to short it, and when they covered their shorts because their downgrades didn't fall, then it fell and they went, oh my God, and then it fell. Now it's had a bit of a bounce, don't short it because this will go high. Just a quick note on the CSO comparison. CSO spends a billion dollars a year on R&D, the biggest R&D spender in Australia. They're only, you never know when the next billion dollar um, treatment comes out from CSO. So there's optionality in CSO, which you just do not get from from a cochlear, which is a single product um, company um, with a, you know, an increasing amount of competition. Yeah. Um, so yeah. CSL is, I, I would agree, untouchable. It's yeah. wonderful business. Yeah. Um, I, I, this is I not don't CSL. agree with it, yeah, but yeah. I can yeah. tell you the market will pay off for cochlear right. when the recovery cycle comes. So I'm not saying go out and buy today, right. but if the recovery cycle goes up and Aussie dollar goes down, cochlear will be one of those that'll run okay. up. All right. Our ninth stock from Max, Accenture Group. The old, I didn't realise it was the old Neville Jeffress Advertising group, media monitors, media monitoring business, if you like, for corporate affairs, PR agencies and things Mm. like that. Nathan, what do you think? It's had a tough run. This mm. got to be, sure has. It, it's got to be in Gaurav's sweet spot. He mm. would be looking at this going, this business is looking shocking. Well, I mean, the macro looks crap. Well, they, had a bad well run. they promote themselves as a tech company now, don't yeah, they? Right. They're in New Zealand, Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. China. Everyone's a tech company. So yeah. is Domino's. Ask <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, look, I, I think it's, it's, it's a tech company that's value, which is very rare. Um, I think, uh, I'm not a fan. Um, I think you're betting against a fair bit. Mm. I- I'll wait for things to turn around. I don't bet on things turning around. Um, I need to see signs of it turning around before you start to look at the numbers, and it doesn't look great at this point. Right. So I'm not jumping in. Okay. All right. Um, so you've got to do two things. As I said yep. before, you have to be willing to look foolish. Yep. Um, let me mend that. You, you, need to, you need to do something different. To do well as an investor, you need to do something different from the market, but you also have to be right. Yeah. Um, being blindly contrarian for its own sake um, does, is not the right approach. Um, and I think if you're buying this because it's fallen a lot and because it's unloved, it would be a mistake. I mean, Nathan talks about a bounce back here. I don't think there's a bounce back coming. Right. iCenture is a business that every investor in Australia should go back and study because it is littered with lessons. This is a company when it listed, um, had a 90% market share of the media monitoring business. Yep. You looked at the numbers and they were sublime. Um, it, it made high free cash flow, return on equity about 30% or so. Um, it was managed by a bloke who had started the doyen of the industry in Australia, yep. had every conceivable advantage. In fact, the ACCC had warned that, that iCenture was too powerful and would benefit from a, a breakup. Wow. Um, and yet, it's $30 million today fallen from a billion dollars. Um, and it did that because it was earning too much money providing a, 
a easily solvable problem. And technology came about and it solved that problem um, for much cheaper. You can search online now. <laughs> you can search online. Yeah. There's also a business called Meltwater who is a competitor ah. and they replicated the 80% of the service provided by Accenture for about 20% of the cost. Right. Um, and, and that's taken a lot of market share and yep. a whole lot of competitors have done that. Um, so it's, whenever you get disruption or innovation in an industry, rarely is the market leader, the monopolist, the one to grab onto that innovation and run yep. with it. Yep. Um, and they've had their lunch eaten, it's not coming back. I would be surprised if this business is still around in, in five or six years. You know, right. This is a self thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, so I know on Accenture for their uh, few there, Max, and our final one, Gaurav, from Dave Star Farmer, um, a, um, a pharmacy type group. Um, what does it do? I was trying to figure out. Oh, wait for this one. Hell. Yeah, so what, this, what is a, this, is a, this is a fascinating business. Um, this company has come up with a, um, a sort of a, a nano infused gel that deals with. What's it called? Viva gel. Viva gel. Viva thank gel. you. Yes, oh. Viva gel. Um, it's used to deal with. I think it's um, vaginal bacteria. That's is it? Right. Yeah. 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 So they they sell the gel as a treatment on its own, but then they've also licensed the gel to use on other products. And condom makers around the world oh. are now coating their condoms um, in oh. this in this Viva gel. Um, the distribution is remarkable. The biggest condom maker in Japan, the biggest in Australia. They've got U.S. European distribution. Revenues haven't started flowing in yet. But this is a this is a business that looked like it solved a legitimate problem. I think yeah. the traditional treatments involved um, antibiotics, which oh. are a lot more invasive yeah. um, rather than a gel treatment. Um, so it's solved a legitimate problem. It's got the distribution down, um, and now it's just really a, a matter of mm. seeing if the financials make sense. Whenever you have a um, a medical business like this, you got to get the science right. The selling and distribution is absolutely vital, yep. um, and it looks like they've they've solved that. And that's usually the takeoff, isn't it? When they research, 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 it bubbles along the bottom, prove it, then get the distribution. Customers will buy it. That's customers when will buy it. Starts it. To lift off. If it's a good, if it's good enough, and right. we haven't really gotten confirmation of that yet. Right. Revenues are very low at this point, mm. but um, if it's working as it should, they should start to increase quite dramatically. For me, this is a really interesting idea that warrants more work. We've got a specialist um, science guy, yeah. and I'm going to pass this off to him. Um, okay. <laughs> he, he's, he's over in Canada. So I think this is definitely worth a look on your watch list. So it's, watch. Um, yep. Um, I look up, kept an eye on this for a while. That's okay. why I, I love the biotech sector. It's, it's, it's like mining. They're, you know, the miners are drilling for something, and then you know, you get come out with hot air. You're worth nothing. Yeah. Uh, biotech, they're going for a, you know, particular uh, drug, and if it doesn't work out fails in the first couple of phases, testing, and you go. And, yeah. and these guys tend to have to, they're very capital intensive, they have to keep raising money to do all these things. So this has been in play for a decade plus. Um, some people, it, it kind of rubs the wrong way because you know because they have to keep raising money and doing these things. Yeah. They've actually got a pretty decent product um, and the distribution, as Gaurav said, it's getting to that stage where they need to get traction and they need to get sales. The numbers have to come through. If it comes through, this goes through the roof, right? right. Because it becomes a model that just gets paid. Yep. Um, now, that's probably taking a bit longer. Uh, they've recently put out something that they're working on on the prostate cancer, something else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those ones where people know that the numbers have to come through for that sales, and that's what people are waiting for. The other things are being ignored. Um, so it's one where when the market doesn't want to pay attention, this you know, stuff gets sold down, 
that's the time to buy some, but this yeah. is high risk, it's a biotech. Right. Like anything biotech is high risk. Yeah. So you don't buy a lot and you gotta be willing to take the volatility. So you buy that when the market doesn't wanna look at it and you get it down, and I always had this view over the last 10 years, you buy this when it's trading around 90 cents below a dollar right. and you don't look at it and when something fancy news comes out and it pops, that's when you sell it. Right. And then you wait for the next day, it's a trading stock. Um, right. I think you're not gonna get surprised when the numbers come through because that's what the market is expecting and you'll have a run. But you don't buy this stock when it's running, you buy it when nobody wants it and right. willing to wait for that cycle. That's what you buy. So it's a fair bit lower than uh, the yeah. price. I'll be moment. waiting for, uh, look, I think we're in the, the pullback cycle right now. Right. And if it comes down below, I'll pick up a bit at 90 cents and then yep. just sit back and wait. Okay, all right. There you go, Dave. That's the, uh, the opinion on Star Pharma. That's our uh, 10 stocks for the day. Let, let's just recap. On the, on the last five. BHP, yes, at around $30 a share. Um, Commonwealth Bank, no, it's a dog, according <laughs> to, uh, to Nathan. Gorab was probably sli- only slightly more uh, judicious on it, but sort of very similar. Uh, Cochlear, a no, Accenture, a no. Um, and Star Farmer, put a watch on it if you can get it for around 90 cents. High risk stock, though, um, uh, biotech that you're counting on here in Australia. Uh, Gaurav, great to see you. Great to be here. Thank you for coming in. And uh, Nathan, always good to have you here as well. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to uh, suggest any stocks for the call in coming days, you can email in the call at osbiz.com.au or through Twitter. Have a great rest of the day. See you tomorrow from midday for the call. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.